0: Hello there. This is Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris. This is your weekly Tech Law 10 where Jonathan Armstrong, my colleague at Cordery over in the UK and I bring you all things tech and law. And this week, Jonathan, you've been thinking about BYOD.
1: Uh, yes, I have. Thanks very much, uh, Eric. Um, yeah, I, I was at a uh, an event last week with Absolute, the Canadian software company, and it was uh, quite a fascinating event in many respects, but we had quite an advanced discussion about BYOD, or bring your own device. Now, as a refresh for those not familiar with the term, Effectively, I imagine about six or seven years ago, there started to be a trend for major corporations, particularly, to reduce the size of their own device estate. So, which I mean, desktop computers, laptops, etc. Back in those days, and to allow individuals to bring their own laptop of choice or whatever to work. Um, obviously, BYOD has become more popular in the intervening time partly because devices have got more portable, so people are now connecting into aspects of the corporate network, at least over an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, Other non-Apple devices are, of course, uh, available. And and in some respects, that's revolutionized some corporate uh, IT departments But I think one of the interesting things that I'm seeing is that whilst BYOD was somewhat flavor of the month, there are at least some reticences now and even some organizations moving back to company-owned devices rather than a BYOD environment. And I think it presents all sorts of challenges for organizations as a result. So if you look in areas like... um, Uh, security, then obviously the perimeter for most organizations has changed. And my daughter and I wrote an article on this for a cybersecurity journal recently. I think one of the real challenges is, if you like, a little bit like the Roman wall, if you're familiar with that uh, instrument. And what used to happen is in the days of the Roman Empire, the Romans built a wall at the northern border, and the idea was to keep the Scottish out. But <laughs> they realized that actually, they, over time, the gates to this wall were left open, and the Scottish could walk freely on either side of the wall. So what was the Romans' first line of defense if it wasn't the wall? Well, the first line of defense was the individuals involved. So you had to train them and you had to build in a thought of uh, security with those individuals. Obviously challenging because they themselves were also an occupied people, I guess they, as in we, the British. And and in some respects, that's a little bit like the BYOD environment that... Because the company has given up its perimeter, its firewall, uh, and the ownership of its devices, then there are all sorts of security challenges. Uh, But in addition, it's uh, become more challenging to manage devices as well, because whilst the idea is that you say to an employee, bring in whatever you like, and we will make it work on the network, sometimes that's not entirely possible, and also some of our employees don't have the same technology skills as the guys in the IT team. So when they, you know, when they get a blank screen and their computers crashed, whilst we might say that they shouldn't ring the corporate IT team, they do. And so for some corporations, they've found the cost of maintaining devices that could come in all shapes and sizes uh, ha- have been prohibitive. And then The third emerging trend, I think, that that I'm seeing is uh, employees kicking back. And I think you've talked about it before in terms of uh, holiday-slash-vacation time. But we're Mm -hmm. starting to see that become on the uh, agenda of works councils, for example, these uh, employee representative bodies that we get across Europe. So one major multinational now has an agreement with its works council that it will not uh, serve emails to employees out of their contracted hours. So if I work in uh, uh, Frankfurt and I uh, go home at 5 o'clock, then my emails stop at 5 o'clock. And if my contracted hours are that I start at 8 o'clock the next morning, then my emails start again at 8 o'clock the next morning. And uh, we've even uh, a legislative proposal in France which will effectively seek to outlaw an employer contacting an employee outside their contracted hours. In addition, we've all sorts of similar type ramifications. You know, in Europe, uh, in the EU, there's a maximum number of hours you can work in any one week. And some people are arguing that making an employee answer emails outside of their contracted working hours also breaches the working legislation. And in other jurisdictions, it's been argued that um, giving the uh, employee an incentive to um, provide their own device is something that should be taxed, because the employer should provide the tools of a a worker's trade, rather than expect the uh, employee to provide them, so there are all sorts of legal ramifications there as well. So my point being that what started as a very simple concept maybe six or seven years ago to reduce the number of devices corporations had has actually become quite a complex uh, system to, uh, to, to make work in Europe partly because of the complexities of our law, but partly because of the greater security threats we face than we did six or seven years ago and how bad actors are trying to exploit those, uh, the, those uh, security um, vulnerabilities that, that we have. And um, I wondered if you were seeing similar trends across the pond there, Eric,
0: <laughs> oh my, so much that we can say first of all, how dare you bring up the concept of a wall you're telling me that a wall doesn't work <laughs> well I need, to, I, need, I need to put you in touch with one of our presidential candidates and let him know that his wall idea is not such a good one in fact, speaking of Donald I believe he's Club, flying over
1: my house as we speak actually, I, I believe he's flying over my house as we speak, I think he's due in Scotland anyway, uh, 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 in, a, in a couple of hours
0: well, you could probably see his orange hair up there in the sky, but I wrote my week. <laughs> speaking of the Donald, I wrote my blog this week about how there's a new Pokemon character that looks re- remarkably like him. It's a mongoose with his face. Can you believe that? Do you know that, Jonathan?
1: Um, I did not but, know that. I shall be. I shall be looking in, in various mongoose-related fan sites uh, as soon as we finished.
0: I know you will. And you know this idea, by the way, that you bring up that you know it potentially is illegal to have employees responding to work emails after hours. I think that's a difficult one to enforce because sometimes the employees themselves will initiate the email thread, and then the employer or the manager might respond, and now the next thing you know, they're having an email colloquy. Um, that's a hard one. Um, but you know, you bring up this whole concept of devices, and you know, Jonathan and I have talked before. We actually started this particular Tech Law 10, and I mentioned that I'd go a little bit off topic, a little bit, and bring up, uh, you know, what can happen uh, when devices aren't used properly. And I just yesterday saw the documentary called Wiener. Uh, there, is a, uh, there was a congressman from New York by the name of Anthony Weiner, and he was actually uh, rising, pardon these uh, words, but he was actually ascending, shall we say, in terms of his power in Congress, and then uh, it was revealed—I just can't use these words—that he had engaged in some sexting um, with uh, at least several women. Uh, the first one was a photograph. Well, I won't go into any details, but he was taking photographs of themselves. Some were more revealing than others. And in 2011, he resigned from Congress. But then, in 2013, he decided to mount sorry, um, a campaign to run for mayor of New York City. And initially, he was ahead in the polls, and uh, then new allegations came out that he had engaged in further sexting using his handheld device. Uh, In fact, if you look at the documentary, it it almost seems like he was entrapped because the woman in particular who uh, he was sexting with, she... First was revealing herself and was requesting him to do the same in turn, and and he was uh, he was vulnerable to that, shall we say? Uh, long story okay. short, uh, he did not win. He only got four percent of the vote for mayor. Um, he has a had or has a wife who was a, a close advisor to Hillary Clinton, and yeah. apparently news reports said that she was requesting that he that she Anthony Weiner's wife drop him as a husband if she were to go work on the Hillary campaign, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. There's a little bit of a double standard there because Hillary obviously stuck by uh, Bill Clinton and ultimately it was shown that Bill Clinton uh, actually had sexual relations with his subordinate, his young intern in the White House, whereas here Anthony yeah. Weiner never met, was never even physically present with the women he was sexting. So there's some interesting morals to this yeah, and, story,
1: and also, um, uh, and also, sorry to interrupt, but it, but in some respects, w- you know, one of Anthony Weiner's errors was his uh, not understanding how technology worked, which is equally something that could be levied at Hillary's door as well.
0: Yeah, well, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but there's some interesting lessons to all of this. I mean, well, what are they? I mean, first of all, this documentary uh, was actually, in some ways, you know follows Wiener around as he, uh, you know, runs for mayor and all these uh, allegations come out. And it really does sort of show him to be completely tone deaf toward his wife and how all this is affecting her, how very much Mm of a narcissist he was. And uh, he really just wasn't getting it. Um, And he was, you know, he was his own Achilles heel. Um, But, you know, in some ways, if you look at it, uh, it makes me sad, too, because, You know, he engaged in some aberrant behavior briefly. Um, Like I say, he never was even physically present with these women. And then it was a feeding frenzy by the press, and it was so sensationalist, and it ultimately was his undoing. And I think it's just a sad commentary all around. Uh, But bringing it back to devices, uh, we really do need to understand them. We do need to use them appropriately. Um, There are... Risks whether you go BYOD or not. Um, but anyway, I just saw this documentary yesterday. It was fresh on my mind, and I just wanted to share that.
1: No, I, I saw actually, I think he did a sort of, I believe he may have a book house as well to accompany it. And I know that I was in a hotel room in a strange part of Europe recently, and, and he actually came on the TV there mm-hmm. talking about it. Uh, And and I agree with you, it's a sort of fascinating story, almost uh, the impression I got though, I I don't know about you Eric, is is he's a man who felt, uh, I'm going to fall into the double entendre trap as well, I was going to say hard done by, but he's a man who who, who felt that he was somehow the victim in all of this uh, and, and didn't show a lot of contrition in the interview. I uh, I saw with him, which uh, which didn't exactly endear, endear him to the to the viewer. But, um, yeah, there was
0: only I, one I, moment I, in the uh, only one moment in the entire documentary where he actually seemed to have some sincere reflection, and in that he said, you know, perhaps it's sort of the nature of the beast as a politician. We want to have many, many, many superficial relationships. Um, But this takes a toll on our close relationships, like his wife, like his young son. Uh, And now, of course, with these devices and social media, you can have so many superficial relationships. And if you misbehave in any particular one, and that person wants to go public, that can be the end of your career.
1: Yes. No, interesting. And uh, yeah, I I, I, um, watched it as well and, and thought it was a fascinating thing, or at least the interview and, and congratulations, uh, Eric, for mentioning not only the word double standards, but I think truly the most uh, double entendres in in one in one small section that we've ever had in all of our 170 odd podcasts. I mean, they were uh, they were absolutely rammed tight in there, weren't they? <laughs> My word! <laughs>
0: I'm going to stop there. But I, I think we're on 176 or 177 right now, so uh, we've been going strong. So anyway, uh, this has been your Tech Law 10 on BYOD and on the downfall of Anthony Weiner in terms of how he used his particular device. Uh, <laughs> there we go again, right? Um, so I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. Uh, my email address is ejsinrod at You can find both of us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, I'm maybe missing some. Uh, I turn it back to Jonathan to wrap this all up.
1: Thanks very much, Eric, and thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan Armstrong, com. and we'll uh, post this as usual in, in LinkedIn. As Eric said, we'd welcome your comments on this or any other topic and suggestions for what to speak about next week are always welcome. We know we have one outstanding to somebody who kindly enters it and apologies to her we will get around to it but do uh, engage with us let us know what you think on this or any other topic and obviously next week we'll be reporting on uh, ambassador trump's visit to the uk um mm. meantime thanks for listening and we'll speak soon
0: okay we've now consummated this particular podcast cheers <laughs>